Chapter 42 of Order Number 11. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Order Number 11 by Carolyn Abbott Stanley. Chapter 42 The Fortunes of Love and War. And this is why Virginia Trevelyan found work more than meat and drink that winter she used to say afterwards that she thought she would have died if it had not been for that school but probably not for people seldom die except from physical causes there was another thing that helped her through she came back to poverty hollow one saturday afternoon with a light in her eyes such as they had not seen there for many a long day she had just been downtown, and she wore her new dress of mazarine blue merino, with its tiny brass buttons down the close-fitting front, and white collar and cuffs that set it off like a modern tailor-made gown. It was the one luxury she had permitted herself from her salary, for the demands were legion. Today there was a flush on her cheeks from the bracing air, and as she stood before them the dingy room seemed suddenly bright. She looked again the queen of the prairie. Guess who I've seen? They only looked at her, rejoiced to see the brightening of her face. Well, guess. It's somebody from Kansas. Lieutenant Tigerman, hazarded Miss Nanny. No, nor Jennison. It is somebody you really would like to see. Then he wasn't from Kansas, said Miss Nanny grimly. I never want to see a living creature from Kansas again, not even a dog. I would know he was around after a bone and would get it. You are safe this time, Aunt Nan. It was Dr. Cheever. Dr. Cheever? It was evident from the simultaneous exclamation of pleasure that some good could come out of Nazareth. What is he doing here? asked Mrs. Trevelyan. He is here with his regiment. The something Kansas. I forget what. But it is not the seventh. I know that much. Thank the Lord, ejaculated Miss Nanny. They were very glad to see him when he came. It seemed like a page out of the old life. Dr. Cheever came often to Poverty Hollow. He came sometimes on weekdays when Virginia was off leading her little band up the thorny path that leads to knowledge. But he came always on Saturday. It is undeniable that he brightened life for the girl not a little that winter with walks and talks and horseback rides and drives to and from her school. But it must be said that she paid the debt, for she irradiated it for him. Since he had seen her, she had passed from joyous girlhood to womanhood. She was more dignified and serious than he had thought she would ever be. But she had been through enough to sober her, he thought. They talked much about the prairie, but only once did Dr. Cheever ask about Gordon. That he suspected anything about their previous relations, Virginia could only surmise from his not asking. However, Gordon was in Kentucky when he was at Keswick, and perhaps he thought nothing about him. But one day he asked where he was, and if they had ever heard from him. 
no virginia said she did not know where he was in kansas city she believed they never heard from him the war had made many changes in friendships he looked at her keenly the war hadn't made much difference with theirs one friday afternoon after some months of this pleasant intercourse they were driving in from virginia's country boarding place a half mile or so from town the road over which they were passing forked the one to the right going around the hills by circuitous windings and into jefferson city from the east the other straight to town dr cheever had something to say to virginia for his regiment had been ordered away and he had planned to say it not too far from the fork then he could take either road he had been preoccupied all during the drive virginia had most of the talking to do and she was beginning to wonder why they were about a mile from the fork of the road when dr cheever said almost abruptly miss virginia did you know that gordon lay and i are old acquaintances why no she said in great surprise where did you know gordon lay i thought you had never met i know him well at pittsburgh landing i believe before god he saved my life i was left on the field for dead but he found me and had me cared for they said it wasn't worth while to move me but he said it was and he was right i heard you tell about that said virginia wonderingly but i never dreamed that it was gordon it was then we were together before corinth and got to be the best of friends you know war sometimes makes as well as breaks friendships he is a fine fellow but it is so strange you didn't tell us she said i asked you about him one day and i thought from the way you answered that it was not a pleasant subject to you so i said nothing more about it well a week ago i had a letter from him that i think you ought to know about virginia's hands were clenched tight under the lap robe and her heart was throbbing as if it would burst i wrote to him about you and about me she cried turning upon him the danger signal was fluttering in her cheeks now and he said hastily don't be angry with me let me explain before you say anything at all won't you go on she said shutting her lips tight when we were down there in camp we were together a great deal gordon and i especially after i found who it was that had refused to let me die and naturally we talked much about the prairie and keswick and all of you you know those things seem pretty close to a man when he is likely to go to the battlefield any day and not come away he never told me whether there was anything between you or not i often wanted to ask but of course i knew he thought a great deal of you and that he got letters from you for he did tell me that he used to read parts of them to me where you told what the kansas soldiers did i knew a part of that story before it was told to me here virginia sat perfectly still well when i asked you about him you told me you never heard from him and i knew then that either something had come between you 
or that it had just been a friendly correspondence that had died out but virginia virginia started he had never called her by her name before but he was too much in earnest to notice her the time had come when i had to know gordon lay was my friend i owed him my life not even for love of you would i be disloyal to him if what had come between you was some foolish estrangement i could not take advantage of it to ask the thing i wanted to know but if i had been mistaken then it was everything to me to know it i wrote to him and asked him plainly if he had any claim upon you that i his friend was in honor bound to respect virginia forgive me i did it because i loved you she was looking straight ahead she did not dare to turn toward him for her eyes were brimming with tears oh why were things so at cross purposes in this world why could she not return the love of this man this honorable high-minded gentleman he took a letter from his breast pocket and gave it to her she opened it slowly it seemed ages since she had seen that writing the letter was brief in regard to the question you asked me it said after some expression of pleasure at hearing from you again i will simply say that i have no claim whatever upon virginia trevelyan it seemed for a moment as if her heart stood still you are as free to speak as she to answer that was all she read it over three times before she spoke then she turned to him with a composure that surprised herself she almost felt that she was somebody else and she had a strange feeling of pity for that other self he is quite right she said in an even tone there is nothing whatever between us was it talleyrand that said speech was given for the purpose of concealing thought as virginia trevelyan spoke these words her heart was throbbing a denial and her whole soul protesting there is there is they were nearing the fork the last barrier was down and dr cheever spoke virginia hardly remembered afterward what he said she tried to think the next day and could not for pounding and pounding and pounding on the delicate nerves of hearing above all his tender words was gordon's curt renunciation i have no claim whatever on virginia trevelyan it was true he had no claim he had forfeited it she herself had severed their bonds when she returned his unopened letters in that contemptuous fashion she would do it again she would do it tomorrow but in all this wretched business virginia had felt that she was renouncing gordon and she had been upheld in it all by a stern sense of right she was not aware that she was bolstered up by anything else but now for sometimes a lightning flash lays our souls bare to ourselves she knew that the thought of gordon's renouncing her had never occurred to her 
when it did she felt bereft virginia will you not speak to me they were at the fork now virginia spoke and he took the left-hand road end of chapter 42 recording by john brandon